The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the truth. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who's going this town tonight. Welcome to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Radio Show Monday morning. 9 a.m. Arizona time. Alex Clancy in studio. Kwame should be joining us shortly. He just caught, got caught up in traffic on the way over. Woo! A lot has happened since we last, since we last spoke. Uh, NCAA tournament is in full swing. The Sweet 16 is set. Friday was a crazy day for basketball. We'll cover that some. This weekend might even be crazier. And I have not been more excited to watch a college basketball game all year than I was to watch Ken, uh, Kentucky and Wichita State, and they definitely did not disappoint. Welcome to the show. Reminder, tomorrow, March 25th, 10 a.m. to 12 noon, we will be on location at Armadillo's Grill on 19th Street in Camelback. Come check us out. We'll have some special guests. Uh, it should be a fun show. It's uh, my first location on-location show um, since being a part of Kwame's show for about three years now. So, yeah, I'm excited. So come check us out in 19th Street at Camelback, 10 to 12 tomorrow. Uh, Sweet 16 is set. Florida, UCLA. That's, so that's scratch. Uh, Dayton, Stanford. <clears throat> uh, not scratch. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, I'll, I'll cover Stanford and, and, and their rise in this tournament and how it, they seemingly came out of nowhere. Virginia, uh, Michigan State in the east. Iowa State, Connecticut. Iowa State had a big win yesterday, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Connecticut beating Villanova. I think it was 50-50 with people thinking uh, how for real Villanova was, and Connecticut is Connecticut in the tournament, regardless of their head coach, with Jim Calhoun not being there anymore. Um, In the West, Arizona, San Diego State. That's a scratch right there. Wisconsin, Baylor. Baylor, Creighton crushed my bracket yesterday. Uh, but Baylor looked really good, and we'll talk about if it was just a fluke with their fantastic shooting or if they're just crazily athletic and, and well-coached as well. Uh, Louisville, Kentucky in the Midwest. That's going to be one that people are going to look at a lot. In-state rivalry, that's going to be a good game. Uh, and, you know, Louisville looked really good. Kentucky, I was shocked at how, at how professional they looked, especially when they started five freshmen. Um, and then Tennessee, Michigan. Tennessee was a play-in game, and I, they got kind of a, a lucky draw with, with Duke losing to Mercer in the in the first round. Um, but you still got to win games, and, and they looked really good. They beat Mercer by twenty. And then Michigan over Texas. Michigan again showed last year that they are they're forced to be reckoned with, especially in the tournament. So I do first want to talk about Duke Mercer that happened on uh, on fr- on Friday. This, this, this game really intrigued me. Uh, Jabari Parker has been all the craze. All these, all these stud freshmen coming in, Coach Krzyzewski, 
uh, the Cameron Crazies, all of these things that have you know somewhat become passe uh, over the past few years because Duke hasn't really been relevant in the tournament. They've been known to lose in the first round over the past decade. They lost to VCU. I believe it was 09 or 2010 in the first round. That was when VCU first stepped on the scene. Eric Maynard hit a shot at the buzzer to to overtake Duke in the first round, which was, you know, that in and of itself was was something of, a, of an anomaly at the time. But we've learned that Duke is, you know, in, in tournaments you never know really, you never really know who, what you're going to get. Uh, they did win the championship in 2010, I do believe, uh, against Butler. There's not much to say about how Duke played against Mercer. I mean, Mercer looked like the better team the whole time. And I'm not sure if this starts with the coaching. It can't, right? Because it's Coach K. Some coaches supersede college basketball and college sports in general, and Coach K is one of them, obviously. Championships, wins. So you can't really question the coaching because of the hallowed ground he's on. But something, something's up. Jabari Parker at one point, they had to substitute him in and out for offense, defense, because they didn't trust him on the defensive end. And this is a kid that's ready for the NBA. doesn't really compute. So it'll be interesting to see in the upcoming years, and I was talking with uh, Francis about this, upcoming, in the upcoming years, if coaches of their stature might try to circumvent the whole one-and-done thing and just go for guys that want to play for four years, at, at least three. So Jabari Parker is one. Andrew Wiggins... Yesterday, Andrew Wiggins was one for six with four points and four turnovers in their loss to Stanford yesterday. So does that mean that he's ready for the NBA? It, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense that these guys are the ones that that people are, are looking at to be the first, the number one and number two overall picks. Yet they can't even lead their team to a win that they're supposed to win in the tournament. This is the first time that all eyes are on them to lead. And Andrew Wiggins has had, I mean, he had some big games in the Big 12 tournament. He had some big games towards the end of the year where he, where he eclipsed 30 points. But when they needed him the most, he wasn't there. And the only guy out of the three that were talked about early on in the season, Jabari Parker, Andrew Wiggins... And Julius Randle. Julius Randle had a huge game last night, yesterday, against Wichita State. He had a double-double. I think he had 13 and 11, but he had like five assists. He kind of let the game come to him. And when they needed him to score, he did. So if I were starting an NBA team, I would, I would pick him over the other two. Because he's a rebounder. You know guys that are going to get double-doubles in the NBA because they do it in college. And I think he led the NCAA in double-doubles this year. And it's not because he's 7-2. It's just because he has, he has a nose for the ball. And, and either you have that or you don't. 
I mean, look at how, how long Zach Randolph's been in the league. He's undersized. He can't jump. I don't know if he even know if he can dunk. It's six nine or six ten, but he has a nose for the ball, and he's a double double machine. So I think that might be more beneficial to a franchise than having to cultivate some guy for three or four years with the chance that he might be great. Kwame Lasser's in the studio now. Orange headphones now, huh? Yeah, like 14 different kinds of headphones. Well, so I, I got I to switch it up. I, I mean, I don't know how many people wearing these headphones, although they're nice. I think Ryan did a good job of switching it up. They look good. They got the Voice America colors, but, yeah. Voice America also has orange, too, on the TV side of things. Stanford 6057. Let's get this out of the way now. Um, what did you take away from their game against Kansas? Well, they made the um, they made that run. Well, they had enough. Of, they had enough of the lead in the final minutes. Or I should say the final minute. Kansas tried to make a run with those three pointers, those big three pointers coming down. I think when on the last possession Kansas had, it went to panic mode when they had plenty of time. They took a shot um, that was that was rushed. You still had one second on the clock, and you know in the final seconds of a game, that's a lot of time. Uh, to get your shot off. Uh, but I think Stanford played real well, obviously, to win that game. They they had um, look more intensity. They they did some things to Wiggins. Uh, uh, Wiggins having these big games all through the um, all through the season and only to amass four points was um, – I don't know what you account to that. I think you got to step up in big moments. Um, he is just a kid coming out of high school. I am not making an excuse for him. My My – I'm not making. I'm not even coming close to making an excuse for him. He's a scorer. You got to hit more than four points in a big game. Um, but that doesn't tell me. That doesn't say anything to me about Wiggins that he should stay in school. You know, you have a choice. You have options. Make the best one for yourself. Stanford, congratulations. Had a great game. They they move on to the Sweet 16. Do you think that this will hinder NBA franchises from drafting him as high as they would have? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, if you're building a team and you need some scoring, you need some points, that's the first game we ever seen him hit under four points. I think it's might have been his second one uh, in his first year of uh, University of Kansas, his second one. But then he, he bounced back and he just became a double-digit guy. If he's a scorer, he could, he could do that. He just got to understand and, and know how, how to do it during big games, and he will be taught that on the next level. Um, I would like to see him stay at Kansas only for my selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but – he would be taught and he would be put in positions by a um, professional coach. And Bill Self did a great job over there with him, uh, getting them better and better each game, each week. But on the next level, he would be taught, he would, be, he would be, have plays to be put in position to even score more or have the opportunity to score. So if you can't do it in college, what makes you think you can do it in the NBA? And what I mean by that <laughs> is I understand that he, he had two duds all year or three duds all year. That's fine. As an 18-year-old kid coming out of high school, that's expected. Inconsistency is expected to a certain degree. But only taking six shots means that you sh- shined away from the spotlight. You were away from the spotlight. If he took 22 shots and made three, I'd rather have that than only taking six shots. Yeah, I don't. You know, yeah, I do. I do know six shots is mean you wasn't into that game, and I wonder why you wasn't in the game. I wonder even why um, you only took six shots. Were you hurt? Uh, what was going on with you uh, mentally? What was going on with you physically? Why um, the coaches on that staff at the University of Kansas didn't say you need to shoot more? You need to create your shot. Um, 
even if you miss those shots, take more shots, take more shots, get into your rhythm so the second half is not what it was. Um, it, just because he didn't do it in college doesn't mean he, can, he, can't, he won't do it in the league. There's a lot of things I didn't do in college that I did in the league and vice versa. But I think he's a scorer. They, all he knows is to shoot. I, I go back to um, AI, and I, and I jokingly do it a lot on the show that AI say when you brought him to Philadelphia, you didn't buy, bring me in here to pass the ball. He was a scorer. There was a lot of, there was a lot of guys who ended up great. I don't know where his, uh, his ceiling would be, Andrew Wiggins' ceiling would be when he gets to the next level. But there's a lot of guys who ended up great who didn't have great games. Um, and they didn't have them in college a lot of times. Right, but then you have Kevin Durant who led the nation in scoring, led the nation in rebounding, yeah. and, won the NC- and, and won the player of the year as a freshman. Yeah. He was ready for the NBA. Yeah, he was yeah. ready, and he's still he's, – he, and we can see – uh, where he is today in the NBA, that's Kevin Durant. Right, and he also had two, he had one bad year. I mean, his rookie year was not a good year. Uh, we got to take a break. On the other side, we'll just talk more games. I do want to talk about Syracuse uh, losing to Dayton that I picked, and I, was, I think Kwame picked it too because the brackets didn't said. We'll come back. Kwame Lester, Sports Talk, Voice Talk America. We'll be back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Sports Mavericks Show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of Sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks Show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouillet and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Welcome back to Kwame Lasha Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in the studio. I appreciate you, Alex, uh, covering my back. I was in traffic. Uh, man, I tried to get on the railroad. I tried to leave at a certain time to make it right to get here on time. Well, not to get here on time, but I leave That's 30. the goal. I, well, the traffic is 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I mean, at 9 o'clock, it should be good. It should be great, I should say. At 8.35, it should be good enough to keep it moving. There's an accident on railroad. It's always an accident on railroad. 
people leave on time. Buy yourself some time. Don't worry about when I leave. Just you leave on time, so uh, so I can get to the studio on time. <laughs> we we were talking to uh, Andrew Wiggins, not just Andrew Wiggins, but NCAA. My um, I just lost the bi- the billion dollars yesterday when Kansas lost. I was in mourning for twelve hours. I'm I'm good now. Um. I feel good about talking about basketball now. You know, when your team loses, you just get into a point where I don't want to. I don't want to see any more sports. But there was a lot of great games: the Kentucky game, the Shockers. Um, I say the Kentucky game, but Kentucky and Wichita was a shocker. Um, there was a North Carolina, Iowa State, another good game. I watched a lot of games, even though I didn't want to watch them after Kansas lost. But when they lost that game, I lost my billion dollars, and I didn't want to look at basketball for a while now that everything is opening now that with these teams losing and these teams winning is there any cinderella teams in there that can possibly come up uh, have you have you looked at your bracket yeah. Thor- thoroughly enough where you see there's a cinderella team because you know Stephen f austin's just lost uh well maybe is, is it dayton is it dayton in, i mean uh, tennessee could be a cinderella team in theory because they, they who tennessee you know, the, the volunteers that's not, that's yeah well why because they, they <laughs> no they played a play-in game just because we've heard of the team we've heard of the school doesn't mean they're not a cinderella team that don't make the cinderella team is one of those the ones we know of uh you know what it's crazy to think i think kentucky would be a cinderella team if they made the final four and what i mean by that kentucky is who wildcats yeah and the reason why i say that is because it's they start five freshmen okay there's no anthony davis on that team when they won the championship michael kidd gilchrist they had the number one and number two overall pick that year in the draft from the same team what i mean by that is college best the good teams are getting worse and the worst teams are getting better so kentucky's just kind of in the middle and you don't really know what's going to happen they beat you know probably the number one overall seed of what they should have been in my opinion wichita state yeah and they played them tough but they also got you could see the wichita state was running an offense that at first and i posted this on facebook and felt like an idiot afterwards that wichita state was running around running them all around they didn't know what was up and what was down and because the offense there were so, there were so many picks set there was so much movement that kentucky wasn't really used to and then boom they just turned it on and it's it was polarizing with how they played. They played great the first eight minutes and great the first eight minutes of the second half and kind of held on. And I, I don't know. I mean, if, if they beat Louisville, that would be an upset to me. So that, that's what would make a Cinderella. And they'd beat, if they beat a Michigan to get to the Final Four, who knows? See, I've, I've, I've always thought the Cinderella teams were somebody like a, um, a, a Mercer coming out of nowhere or the one of those teams that had that play and like Creighton used to be, like Gonzaga used to be. Uh, now that these guys consistently are making the tournaments um, and, and and having great regular season, uh, having a great regular season, I, I've never I don't see them as Cinderella anymore. I definitely don't see Tennessee. Tennessee's used to Tennessee's one of those teams that used to be in there, and they haven't been in a while to you to your point. But I just don't. I, I could never see them as a Cinderella. I, I can actually see, even though Wichita State being been in there. I could see them on a borderline labeled as a Cinderella, but they had an awesome year uh, this year going 34-0, and uh, just losing yesterday to Kentucky. I can never see um, – I, I don't know in this Kentucky and Louisville game, this backyard brawl they're about to have, I don't know if this would be an, an upset or, or a surprise victim, whomever wins this game, because these teams have played each other quite a few times, every year, probably two or three times. Um, so I don't know – if that would be an upset if Kentucky beat Louisville. I think Louisville will win this game. Um, I thought Wichita State, the way they came out and played Kentucky, as as you was mentioning when you posted it on Facebook, when they came out and they was just running and running, I said, are they going to run right through this team? 
Kentucky got their composure. They are well coached. They got their composure. We thought they would lose to America uh, in the first game. But they are well coached, and uh, they were able to sustain the runs that Wichita State made. It was sad to see Wichita State. I thought they was put up against the behind the eight ball anyway, being a number one seed and being in the bracket they were in. They, they gave them no room, no leeway, no leeway, no leverage to even make the, make it look good. Still, wherever you are, you have to win your basketball yeah, games. Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing. Clay Anthony Early, the stud from Wichita State, yep. he's going to be a top 15 draft pick now. Yeah, easy. A senior, he's like, he, he was, it was the Kenneth Farid effect. When Kenneth Farid was at Moorhead State and they made the Sweet 16, he was put on everybody's radar even more than he already was, which wasn't much. And he now... He, he, he was taken, uh, that was supposed to be, I remember talking about this on the radio right after that when we were at the old studio, that Kenneth Fareed would be one of the steals of the draft. He's obviously now benched for some reason in Denver, but he, he's a double-double machine. I think this Clay Anthony early kid, he's a senior. He shot the lights out last night. He had so many huge jumpers, huge points scored when they needed him, and that's what scouts look at, being able to be clutch in a situation where you're down and your, point and your team needs you to score. And he looked really, really good. Kenneth Free uh, got drafted late in the first round, I believe, uh, when he did get drafted, like 24th or something like that. Um, but when, when I watched him, he could have easily been that 15th pick somewhere in there uh, because he can't shoot, he can't score. I don't know what the situation is in Denver or why he's not. But there are, there are guys in the tournament that's, that's like him right now because of their senior leadership and being there a while. And, and we go back and forth on the show about you have those seniors. He, you have guys on the University of Florida basketball team who who are more mature because they stayed in school longer um and it is that it is something to them you get in the program also you used to playing in a system you used to playing in a program especially florida they've had their coach for some time now so you used to playing in that system and maturing a lot faster the way coaches switch teams in universities now it's it's i can see when the kids leave or i can see where the uh the goal at the end the part of goal at the end of the rainbow where which is the end nba why these kids want to leave. There are, there are some things to it, some intricate parts to it, as far as that I, I'm a three-year student uh, athlete at any university, then I better be better if I'm on that floor. If, I, if, I, if we in a tournament um, a certain amount of times, I have to be better. You just, it just, if you're anything, you're in it rough your salt, you have to be better. You have to get better year in, year out. Uh, and that's what we see with a lot of guys from Wichita State. That's why... Uh, regardless of the conference, they were able to still to line up and play and, and win those games. And they played all those teams probably uh, at least two times, especially when you got in the conference. You play them two or three times. Um, but the veteran leadership teams usually go far in the, in the uh, NCAAs. You're looking at Florida, who beat up on Pitt, 67, I'm sorry, uh, 61-45. And now they have UCLA, which is a good game. In the teams now, I did say ASU – I mean, U of A, I'm sorry. U of A, ASU will end up losing, but U of A and San Diego State, I thought I had that matchup in my head, um, but I did have San Diego State winning. I don't know now. I think Arizona, team, Arizona State and, and Michigan, don't, I'm not discounting the uh, University of Virginia. And I, it just it looks like Florida also. Looks like Florida. Those are the teams that just going to be in the, one of those teams got to be in the finals. Not because they ranked number one, because of what the role they have in front of them. Yeah, I mean, and you it, look at the South. There's no Florida and UCLA should be a great should be a great matchup. Stanford and Dayton. Who Stanford will probably win that game, um, but who's to say? We say you pick Dayton. Dayton to go in the lead, in the lead yeah. eight. Dayton is that team. I don't. Dayton would be the Cinderella team. 
to my question, they would be the Cinderella team um, because how they came in is how they came in here beating Ohio State. That would be my Cinderella team if they were to get down to their Final Four. Yeah, but I do think over above all, every game that was played, the most detrimental one to the school is the Wichita State game. And be, I say that because nobody expected them to win anything except for the first game this year, and it happened. You know what? Um, you and know that because all these other teams will be fine. They're going to get big recruits. They're going to get all these things. It doesn't matter. Duke's always going to be in the top five to start the season. Syracuse is going to be in the top five to start the season. Wichita State might be seventeenth or something next year to start the season. No, no way. No, you don't I, think so? I don't think so at all. After a second round loss, I wouldn't think or so. Or third round loss, technically. If Wichita State came in and played ball this year. We obviously we that's sightseeing. We. They came in and played ball. I, I don't think – here's what, what happens. After losing to a, a Kentucky team, I'm losing to one of the better teams in the tournament, regardless where they put Kentucky. We, we debated. We had problems with what team was eight and what team was ninth. Like, how you put this team in this, in this eighth spot? How you put them in this second spot after you lost nine games? We had problems with the brackets anyway or concerns or debates about it. They, uh, but I think Wichita State will be fine. I think Wichita State being in the top ten coming into the season I next so. year. I hope um, so. But they are. They, it's two things going to happen. They're going to get good recruits, they, and I, they actually have guys on their team that none of those big schools really pushed hard on. But they was able to stay together longer at Wichita State as opposed to coming out in their first or second year. So that made them a, a veteran, more mature team, a team who've been through some adversity, but they've been through it together longer. Uh, that's one thing that's going to happen. Another thing that could possibly happen is that they are Wichita State. They could move into a tougher conference. Creighton was in that conference. Creighton moved into a division, a, a, a bigger conference. So Wichita State possibly can do that. So there's no being misconstrued about we, we don't play anybody, and then when we get to the dance, we lose to a team who's Kentucky that's bigger and, and more consistent that's been there time in, time out. Or Wichita State just stays there, and they learn from they learn from experience. Yeah, I just wonder when the time will come, if ever, if somebody, if, if a blue chipper in Kansas chooses Wichita State over University of Kansas. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't know if that will ever happen, but I think that it any time more than now, I don't think there is a time more than now where it would happen. Right after this year, you have these fresh these kids coming out of high school that want to go pro. Well, that want well that want to go to Wichita State and play in a different system than than Rock Jock Jayhawk. I don't know if that'll ever happen. I, I hope it does, because I hope that there will be another in-state rivalry. Kansas State and Kansas isn't an in-state rivalry because Kansas State isn't relevant. I'll tell you a guy who did it, um, Galen you, Nickerson. Galen Nickerson, we call him Skip. Skip Nickerson. He ended up going to Butler for a year, but the guy was like, I, you would think, he, if you watch him play, you would think, is he the next Jordan? I think Galen was probably 6'1". Um, but but had the ball on the yo-yo. He he did everything uh, that you can possibly do with the basketball, score, defense, from Wichita, and he goes to Wichita State. Everybody in the country want him, but he goes to Wichita State. Some guys are just more comfortable staying home. Some guys, uh, as, as you were saying, alluding to as far as why would I choose Wichita State when I can go to University of Kansas, that's more of those guys saying, well, I'm a, I want to go pro, but they won't let me go right now, so I'm going to go to University of Kansas get this exposure and get out. If I go to Wichita State, uh, there's a good chance that I might have to be there two years because my stock dropped. And, and I think a lot of these kids think that, especially when they, again, like I mentioned earlier, when the pot of gold is at the end of the rainbow, when they, when they can see or when they're already destined to, in their mind, that they're going to play pro or want to go pro, and that's the best way to do it. You go to one of those schools, uh, Kentucky, 
uh, who let you go out early. Yeah, but that can always that that isn't always a positive thing. You could be exploited for all of your all of your uh, deficiencies at a bigger school, and they could get overlooked at a smaller school because they look at your numbers and look at where they carried your team. Yeah, but I, I, that's true. But I, I see a lot of guys going to these schools that can let them be one and done. Don't play defense. They go there because of their offense. And I, I've, that's and, AAU and, right there. Yeah, and I'm and not um and not to bash Kentucky because the program is what it is. The NCAA's are what it is, and it's allowed. But a lot of these guys, I've seen Kentucky also sit some of these these blue chippers down, and and maybe they averaging ten points, but make them stay a year, not make them stay, but they don't have that exposure to the head coming in, and they end up staying up. Well, Eric year. Bledsoe, Marcus Teague. I mean, there are a lot of guys that are right. well. Eric Bledsoe, I guess, is an exception to the rule. But you have a couple guys that are they were freshmen that now are just sitting on the bench. Marcus Teague's in in Chicago, and it, you think it wouldn't have helped him to stay one more year, and he would have his draft stock would have raised, and he would have got paid more if he would have waited a year. I think it helped a lot of those guys to stay one more year, but uh, I'm glad they have the option to leave if they want to. Kwame Lasso of Sports Talk, Alex Clancy in the studio. We're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk some more basketball. Get into some other things. Uh, uh, the Suns came back from a win, so we'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Welcome back. Oh, we can do it together? Welcome no, back. Yeah. You want to do it together? No. Yeah. <laughs> Just in the sexy voice segment. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk, voiceamerica.com. Kevin, we've been talking NCAA basketball for the past few days. Um, yesterday was an interesting day. We just talked uh, Wichita State, Kentucky. Really quick, Iowa State Cyclones beat New, or- uh, New Orleans, North Carolina yesterday without their best player who broke his foot, I believe, in the previous game. And they just came together. I was not expecting this to happen. I thought North Carolina with, with Mr. Page over there and Roy Williams and their history and their experience would be able to supersede Iowa State, but Iowa State held, held tough with them, even though they went down a couple times by, by seven, eight, nine points, and they were just resilient. They hit a bunch of big threes, and that's what Iowa State's been known for, is their outside shooting. But they had this kid, DeAndre Kane, another senior, 24, 10, and 7. And this, he ended up making the layup with, with uh, 1.6 seconds left, at the end of the game, that ended up being the game winner. There was a little controversy towards the end. Uh, North Carolina got the ball in, made it past half court, called timeout, and, and they were they were checking to see how much time was left on the clock. When 
how the play started was the clock wasn't started right when the ball was inbounded. I think it was about a .4, second difference from when the ball was actually inbounded to when the clock started, and then it ended up that when the refs looked at the look at the time clock, that the game was actually over when the time was when the uh, the timeout was called. You know what? Before you finish that, I think that's unacceptable. You there to do a job, time clock uh, keeper. Stop watching the game, and you should be watching the game more thoroughly than you are. The guy's taking the ball off. The clock never starts, and it, it came down to a controversial finish. Uh, as you see, could the have been a North Carolina fan that was that was doing the clock. Possibly, I mean, all these things are going to play. Just compare, just conspiracy. It goes into play, but it's just like you, you got to watch the watch the game and, and be fair. You cannot be uh, a bias when you're watching the clock. You can't be biased about. I'm a North Carolina fan, or I went there. They got, it's kind of like it's kind of like boxing. You don't know where these judges are from, or the, who these judges like, or who's been paid off to do what. Right. So I, I think it's unfair to the kids. But you got to start the clock on time and give them a benefit of the doubt. The referees did a good job when they looked at the film and saw that the mm-hmm. clock wasn't starting. And when that kid did call a timeout, then that just that just subtracted the time from when he got up the up right. the court. And what what would have been worse is if. The kid shot the ball from 35 feet like he should have instead of calling time and made it, and then they would have had to look at the clock and realize that would have been worse. Um, number one seeds besides Wichita State all took care of business. Arizona won by 23 against Gonzaga. Virginia beat Memphis by 28 or by 18. That's fine. Um, I'm surprised that Virginia is playing as well as they are. Why is that? Well, just because I I watched some film on them and 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 I see their roster and everything. I just didn't know Memphis is supremely athletic, and we know that, and they have been ever since Calipari was there. Um, but you know they're handling their business, and it'll be interesting to see what happens when they play Michigan State. Like this is this is something, this is the tester for both schools because Michigan State is fully healthy. They've had two pretty easy games. Um, Michigan State gave them a little little run for their money towards the end, but usually the more veteran, more experienced team uh, will will uh, get to the finish line first. Virginia, Michigan State. This is probably the game that I'm most excited to watch out of all of the eight that are in the Sweet Sixteen. Because I, I chose Michigan State to win the championship, and as most of America did, but Virginia, I wonder if they're the underdog as the number one seed. Well, you can look at that. That more that was that's more of a. When you say that, I'm thinking Wichita State, a number one seed, but an underdog. Um, we can go into the Wichita State and the bracket is all that. But again, at the end of the day, you have to win your games. Virginia has been playing well um, all year, yeah, yeah. and but you go to if they were tested or not, as opposed to was Wichita State tested throughout their season, their conference, and their game. Virginia Tech, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, University of Virginia, the Cavaliers, yeah, ACC, they, the ACC, they were yeah. tested. They got Duke, North Carolina, Syracuse, and and, and twice, 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 three times, one of them plus the, the ACC championship. Mm-hmm. You um mentioned something about Syracuse, and I get back to Virginia real quick. Jim Behan gets you to the game, but they don't finish the game. And by the game, I mean the big dance, the NCAA tournament. And then somehow that number one all-lights-out scoring team he has with that zone defense that you um, uh, keep alluding to every – not even not, – not alluding to, you keep talking about. It's just something not, something not given. But back to Virginia, those guys have been play, playing well. It's just more of a – who's in that bracket with them that they may feel like, or to you they may seem like an underdog. But I think those guys will be all right. I think they got one of the top scorers out there, and they play defense together. So that's so that that holds well, especially in the tournament time. And, and when you're at this point in Sweet 16 and you can play defense, that gives you a chance with your scorers. Your scorers just got to be on. Defense will always be there. I go back to when we talk about the Chicago Bulls. 
there's no but who's gonna score over there? I can't I can't picture the scores over there, but the Chicago Bulls win games. But what uh Thibodeau does over there is it's a defensive mindset team. You're not gonna come here and score defense. When we win this game, we're gonna win on defense. And the absence of Derrick Rose in Chicago, um these guys have been doing it from a defense, and I think that's what University of Virginia does defensively, but they do have scores over there. Yeah, I mean, and Michigan State on the other side is they're used to winning 46-44. Like, that's how Michigan State wins. That used to be Big Ten basketball, yeah. is not scoring a lot of points and playing defense and playing as a team and having guys stay for more than one year. And I think that Michigan State, they can win any way. They can obviously win when they score in the 90s or 80s, and they can win when they score in the 50s. So I truly believe that Michigan State is the best team still alive. Um, offense can go away. But if you can play defense, you play as a team, you run your offense, you, you believe in your offense, then, then if you can execute, especially in high-pressure situations, you have a leg up on the opponent. I think, you, yeah, I think you definitely give yourself a chance if you can play defense because you're always going to be in ball games. You're always going to be scrappy. You're always going to feel like you still can fight uh, regardless of what the score is. Uh, I look at basketball. When teams get up by 10, 12 points, I used to be like, I used to be one of those guys say, oh, they about to get blown away. But in basketball, that's what's that, three shots? Go to the free throw line one of those times, and you back in the basketball And there's so many turnovers in the tournament. Like, there never used to be, like, there was always, all the turnover numbers would go down in the tournament because people played tighter, which means they're not throwing the ball loosey-goosey like like normal in in the regular season games. But people are turning the ball over like crazy. Like, I mean... People are erasing big leads pretty quickly in the games, especially in the round of 32, from what I noticed. So, I mean, and this is going to be a crapshoot for what happens from now. Baylor looked fantastic. I can't believe Wisconsin's still here. They're playing each other. I mean, I have no idea who's going to win. And that's the best part. 888-346-9144 is the number you want to call in and join the show. Don't forget, tomorrow we're at Armadillo's Grill. We uh, do a live remote Ryan Treasure should be there on the ones and twos. I think uh, Kevin Gassman is going to still be on the boards back here in the office. Alex Clancy, myself, uh, Junior Spivey, Deborah Debris should show up. Um, we'll have a few other guys calling in where they say they can. If they can make it, they're going to come drop by and do a segment or two, talk about a little bit of their knowledge of what's going on in there and their endeavors of outside of the sport world, sports world. Come on down and uh, have a little fun with us for two hours. 888-346-9144 if the number you want to call in. Alex. I got a question for you. And, and I noticed this midway through yesterday. It, just kind of, just kind of, it was just kind of an epiphany. Most of the upsets that have happened over the course of this tournament mm-hmm. happened in the morning. Do you think that that's the great equalizer, that you're not playing on a Saturday at 12.30 or 1 o'clock like you normally would or a night game during the week? Do you think that playing at 9.15 in the morning helped Dayton Helped, uh, helped Dayton twice. You know, like these the games. East Coast teams that have a, at least a two-hour. It, it's just different. Your whole your whole uh, regiment is different. Mercer beat Duke first game in the morning. Like, do you think that that might be an equalizer for these bigger for these better schools that are just out of their comfort zone? I remember playing in basketball tournaments when I would travel, and we'd go, and I'd have to play at nine thirty in the morning, and we wouldn't be on our A game because it's not the normal time to play. It's cold in the gym. It's just it just feels different. You don't get to go through, have your breakfast, have your lunch, go through a shoot around, like do everything that you've been accustomed to do, that you've been conditioned to do throughout the whole year. Do you think it makes a difference? And it seems like it has because all the big upsets happen in the morning. Yeah. Um or it could except, be a non-factor. Except for one thing, because I remember we used to do games like that too, uh, especially in, in college, or depending on where you played, or, or Arizona. It, it, except for this, 
that everybody has to play in the morning also. Not everybody is a morning person. Uh, so you got to get the whole team up and ready to go, um, especially coaching-wise. But it has something to do with it. It has, it has something to do with it. Uh, when you're used to playing, the great coaches will um, adjust their practice to the time. So at the body-wise for the players who are on a – West Coast or, or those guys on the East Coast, when they come, you got to get up early from because of West Coast time. That might benefit you because you've, your body is used to getting up two or three hours earlier than we are or, or people are on the West Side, on the West Coast, um, and vice versa. Practice a little later or practice a little earlier to adjust to the East Coast times. But you will have to do that for all the tournaments. You know, as, the, as you win games, after you win your second game, you move into another city, another part of the region. In Midwest, you, uh, you might be – I know Arizona had some games uh, early, right, early. Dep- depending on the region, you are moving. So you could be doing that all NCAA tournament. But that does have something to do with it. It's just come down to the culture, how he, he or she adjusted their practices to, to accommodate these guys' body and their, their mental clock so everything still moves forward with this. So I, no, mean, that was a good I, so I just, it just, I was at Dave and Buster's last night playing the little uh, basketball shooting Dave game, and, and it just kind of, uh, just kind of dawned on me that all these games. I mean, I don't think Arizona's had an early game to be honest. I think they've played all the late games because that's in the West Coast. You're the number one seed. You get the best times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, it just would seem that that would be true. I just remember Dayton, Duke, Dayton losing, Duke losing. I mean, a Dayton winning. Beating Ohio State and Duke losing to Mercer were both the games that started at nine fifteen West Coast time. That's that's um. I, when I looked at the brackets yesterday, you had an epiphany about the time and, and the um, the time where these guys are from and the time they play and and those teams that lost. I just look at all the teams that lost and how they lost. I mean, it came down, you know, Kansas losing Stanford, great win for Stanford, um, terrible win for, loss for the uh, University of Kansas. Uh, Wiggins didn't show up, but I look at how they lost these games. If you play how you play at the end of the game, keep that momentum going. Especially when you got a great, especially when you got good go, good coaches, pretty good coaches, and by pretty good coaches, I mean you got great coaches. When you got that, you shouldn't. It shouldn't be that much of a letdown for that long. So now in the final seconds, you gotta you gotta hit two big free throw, two big three pointers. That shouldn't happen. Um, I don't know if these guys got. I know they didn't. Not at these programs. You don't get overwhelmed about the tournament. Uh, I don't know what's on your mind at that time. What is said in the locker room? How they absolutely come, how got you, overwhelmed. How you come out? Who did Kansas? Yeah, Kansas got overwhelmed. Yeah, when it went win. What do you mean? Oh, look at the final score. They obviously got overwhelmed somewhere. This game, this game wasn't as close as the as, as the score they, would indicate. The, they they was making a comeback. What my point is. How do you get that far? Because it, it was looking like that way most of the game. They were about down by seven. They were down by eight. Eight was the probably the largest lead Stanford had in that Kansas game. But why they was never able to just take that lead and, and start running with it. I know most coaches strategize or they play that chess move. They fill this team out. When I, when I just mentioned 10, 12 points in a, in a basketball game on any level is not a big lead. If you don't – if you – have a good coaching staff, a pretty good coaching staff, and you strategize and fill this team out, now you know what to run against them because they're not going to change. Stanford haven't been there since, what, 2008? And, and they're, here, they're there there. Kansas, Kansas have always been that team. If they don't win at all, they're out in the first and second round. 
I don't, I don't think they got overwhelmed. It didn't. I just didn't see that as I watched the game. But I thought those big free throws at the end of the game, and then they panicked, and they got overwhelmed and panicked on that last shot because he had time. He had time to either get a shot or get or get fouled at three point and get to the that's, line and hit two. That's why you don't put the you put your life hands in the in the hands of a freshman that that it was unproven. I mean, Andrew Wiggins, I guess, is proven. Yeah, he at had this no point. choice because he was oh, the only told, one that was shooting it. Oh, no, I'm talking about the uh, the first three shot. Yeah, who hit the last shot. Yeah, the little the little kid. Yeah, the, uh, but who who hit the two threes to keep them in the game later it, it, within the last two minutes? All right, let's take a break. Let's take a quick break. We come back. We talk some more. Kwamalas uh, Sports Talk. Alex Clancy. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Welcome back to the Formula Sports Talk. Alex Lance in the studio. This is the last segment, 888-346-9144. That's the number if you want to call in. You got anything... Comments, questions, concerns about uh, you want to talk about your bracket. As of yesterday, I lost a billion dollars when Kansas lost. Uh, I'm now out of morning. I had on black from the end of the game until this morning. So I'm back. I had my shades on. I didn't want to see the world through the darkness. Kansas lose to Stanford 57-60. Terrible loss. They only played two games. They beat, they beat an Eastern Kentucky game. A team that was scrappy in the beginning, and it looked like that could have been trouble. Um, then they had to play Stanford. Stanford, who beat uh, New Mexico, which I thought it would come down to a Kansas-New Mexico rivalry, uh, uh, I mean, game again, because they played early in the year. Stanford showed some resilience. Stanford came out and got it done. They came out and won that game and got it done. Um, Kansas sitting home. Stanford, sweet 16, here they come. Don't forget, tomorrow we are live for two hours again at Armadillo's Grill on 19th and Camelback. Have a few guests in. Junior Spivey, come in. A couple guys might stop by, as I mentioned. Alex Clancy, we're going to talk about a lot of things, and we won't have to be rushing through them, too. We'll have our four match down. We'll have segment after segment. This is the last week for the Cactus League. After this, we're getting the season started. The uh, Diamondbacks are in Australia. 
they lost two games to the uh, Dodgers. By um, a lot. I don't I don't know why they're in Australia. Yeah. The losses are the losses. I don't, it's such a long season. That's 882, <laughs> 200 games, 220-something games, really, when you count from um, Cactus League or the spring baseball season all the way if you reach to the World Series. It's a lot of games. So two games is not a big deal. Being in Australia, it's a big deal. I don't know why you had to go. It'd be fun. Yeah, it would be fun to go, but I don't want. I don't want. When I come back, whether even the Dodgers, who's who's beating up on the Diamondbacks right now in Australia, even when they come back, I don't want the season to be have to catch up and lose two more, three more games trying to catch up from getting back there because they get season's gonna start. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm interesting. I'm interested to see what happens with the Diamondbacks. I mean, this is. This is going to be a tough year for them. It's like the Cardinals. You know, you're in a really, really tough division. You have San Francisco, who's always there. Uh, they had kind of a down year last year, but you have <laughs> San Francisco that's always there. And, I mean, the Dodgers. You, you have two of the toughest teams in the, in the National League in your division. Um, they need to win games. They need to win close games, which is what, which is what Gibby Ball is, is all about. Small ball, winning one-run games. That's, that's the key to outlasting some of these teams that are that are better than you talent wise, Patrick Corbin, boy, I hope he doesn't have to have Tommy John surgery. I don't believe that it's come out that he has or has not yet. So I mean, we'll we'll keep an eye on that because he's he's your ace. If he has so, to have I mean, it, he the, didn't get it done. I know he'd be getting second and third opinions, and, and rightfully so. Is this his second one? No, this is his first one. Yeah, first I know. One. I know a lot of guys. Not only uh, Patrick Corbin, but there's some other guys around the league who's probably going to have. Um, Tommy John surgeon this year, and some of them this this will be their second one. Mm-hmm. So again, that goes that goes back to okay. Now you have a lot of now you have this situation with the Tommy John surgery. It's, it's been in the it's been in the game, but now you can ask these guys how did they work out? What was their off season? Even just to make the treatment and the rehab and of the of the surgery even better because you got information of what these pitchers are doing and their workout. So you gather that information up and you say, well, if you're a pitcher, stay away from this. Because you have other pitchers who have, what is you got to have a cause, you have a controlled substance. Uh, you have other pitchers who probably didn't do a certain thing as far as working out. Maybe that's curling or maybe that's uh, shoulder presses and those stuff. You have to strengthen it up. Don't go in, you have to strengthen it up to some point to get through a long season. Diamond was Diamondbacks, 81-81 last year. There was a 500 team. So we look for great things for them. And then with this happening with Patrick Corbin having a Tommy John, possibly having a Tommy John surgery, hopefully not. Maybe it's just some extensive rehab. Either way, he's going to have to sit out at least till hopefully the Diamondbacks get into the uh, dependent and all, all those things. And maybe he's serviceable. Yeah. I, it makes me think, why would you be a pitcher? <laughs> I mean, it, it's... I understand that you get all the glory. You only have to pitch every fifth day. Isn't isn't that like being you know, a quarterback? Even though the quarterback, yeah. even though the quarterback is the back catcher, but isn't the pitcher like being the quarterback because that spotlight? You're on the mound, but y- you don't you don't hurt yourself by throwing. You know, you you hurt yourself by getting hit in football, baseball. The throwing motion is a non natural motion. It's an unnatural motion. Mm-hmm. So it's it's luck of the draw. You know, it's like you're rolling the dice every time you throw a curveball. You're rolling the dice. So it's, you have to understand what you're getting yourself into. And it seems like with these kids now, when they're playing, they're pitching since they're six years old. And they don't take time off at all. Club, travel teams, farm teams, tournaments, all-star teams, all this stuff. When you get to the majors and whatever, so, so you make through single, double, triple A, you, you kind of circumvent that, and you start pitching at the age of 22. 
you've pitched so much already that now you're throwing 100 miles an hour as a 22 year old. Your body hasn't fully hasn't fully adapted to what it's going to be doing for the rest of your career. Like, I mean, these guys leap over the steps that need to be taken to get your body physically ready for the majors. And I guess lifting has something to do with it, I would assume, because you're strengthening your muscles. Right, but you have to lift, too. You have to to go into some But also, you want to keep your arms fluid enough to where you can can have your range of motion for the different pitches. So, I mean, it's it's a double-edged sword, and these kids, you see it more and more. Just more and more people are going down with this Tommy John surgery that is... I mean, it's it's detrimental to them because your arm will never be the same again. I think um, it, it has to do with a lot of the um, parents. One of the one of the um, let me get this off the screen, but I, the team I'm thinking of who did a great job with their pitcher um, Strasburg, Strasburg, um, and Washington. Yeah, yeah, did a great job with their pitcher. And he he came out when he came out. He um, you know he was highly. He was the number so one overall number pick. One, number one overall out of high school. But the Washington did a good job. And as a fan, you want to see him play. But when you see how these pitchers are tearing up their shoulders and, and you ask him to come in here and overload, be an overload and be the star, when you, when you also mention that why these kids want to be pitchers, well, there's a stage within the stage. On a football field, you got 22 guys. That's, the, that's our stage. That's the stage. Uh, like if you're a corner, you're on that island. That's your stage. If you're a pitcher – Everything on that diamond, you can see, but you isolate it on that one guy. And a lot of them want that. It's like the quarterback. You isolate it on that one guy. You watch the quarterback before you watch anything. I mean, as you know the game, you, you watch the lineman formation and all that. But it, it, before that ball snapped, you were looking at the quarterback. Yeah. So and most time, it could be just the imagery of it. You just want to be. You want to be that guy. Uh, and when you're so young and talented, you also Superman. You think this? I can't get hurt. But now you should be conscious of being a pitcher and, and that type of surgery. Well, any sport you play at any position, there are certain injuries that come with that position. Uh, so now you should be conscious with it and how you – and I don't think anybody's doing that much research or gathering that information to find out, okay, what did you do? What did these guys do? Why this injury didn't happen? The position, the nature of the game, the game itself. Uh, but I don't think anyone's isolating that to find out. How can we make training now, physical therapy, uh, surgeries better for these guys? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they did a good job with Strasburg at all. I think that you just let them pitch. Because they they were in a pennant race. That was the best record by far that they had. I had a problem with that, too. Okay, so, so, and then they shut them down, and now where are they? That see that that builds with momentum too. Are you right? It's hard I, to I make the playoffs in baseball. That. Yeah, we talked about that a lot. I'm like, just put the guy in and pitch, but they want to hold him out till next year. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I don't I think know. They there's there's different. You can keep him off the field, but then what are you paying him for? Right. I think they did a good job maintaining his games early in the year and not overload him, but then play him at the end of the season. Stop being trying to be a groundbreaker. Quamalai Sports Talk. Alex Clancy. We got to get out of here. I'm pumped for tomorrow. We got we had armadillos. Uh, Check the Facebook pages uh, at Clancy Corner, uh, at Kwame Lasseter. Appreciate it, Kevin. We out of here. Thanks for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.